you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. Raise your hand if you were spoiled as a child. No, most of us wouldn't want to admit it, but sadly, many of us were. And no one really enjoys being around a spoiled, rotten child or adult for that matter. And yet it's so easy to create a spoiled, rotten person in our world today. Now, before you check this podcast title and wonder if I've mistakenly substituted an episode on parenting, this introduction has everything to do with our topic today. I want you to think about the characteristics of a child who has been spoiled, rotten. Here are some that come to my mind. A spoiled, rotten child is demanding. He or she is constantly wanting something, needing something, and expects to have it immediately. A spoiled, rotten child is selfish. It's all about him or her. He or she is the center of the universe. There's no one else that really matters. A spoiled, rotten child is always unhappy. Even though parents or other adults keep giving and giving and giving to the child, it's never enough. Sure, there's some temporary happiness, but unhappiness always returns. A spoiled, rotten child throws regular temper tantrums. It's the main method to get whatever he or she wants. And it's the only way these children know how to deal with any sort of frustration. And a spoiled, rotten child is always the victim. The constant whining and complaining. Life is never fair, even though they're given everything. Again, this child can never really be happy. He or she cannot handle the word no. All right, you get the idea. It doesn't take long for most people to spot a spoiled, rotten child. And we know how to correct this problem, right? Stop giving in. Start saying no. Be consistent in discipline. Show who's in charge. So with this terribly sad image of a spoiled, rotten child in your mind, I want you to think about what characterizes spoiled, rotten communication. It is demanding. It is self-centered. It often proceeds from great unhappiness. It is coupled with angry outbursts. It victimizes people while still acting as the victim. To be clear, it's not just spoiled, rotten children or spoiled, rotten adults who use spoiled, rotten communication. We all can fall into this ungodly communication pattern. So let's dig down deep today and see what God's Word has to say about corrupt, rotten communication. In this season, we're discussing communication problems that we need to address and solve as Christians. Since we're all made in the image of God, we should learn from His Word about how we are to talk and listen. And there's plenty of truth in the Bible about communication. Let's begin in a familiar place in Ephesians 4:29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, 
that it may give grace to those who hear. Our focus is on what God's Word calls corrupt communication. The word corrupting used by the Apostle Paul here means rotten or spoiled, sort of like moldy bread or rotten fruit, or as we said in the opening, like a spoiled rotten child. So what are some examples of corrupting talk? The first thing that may come to mind are curse words. Cussing, cursing certainly fits in this category of rotten words. But then there are simply words that aim to destroy a person. These may be perfectly fine words in and of themselves, but they're intended to hurt someone, to tear them apart, to crush them. Then I would include words that are just worthless and meaningless. Words that don't say much of anything. A bunch of hot air. Words that just waste people's time. And we can certainly put gossip in this group, but we'll save that specific communication problem for another podcast. It is corrupt to gossip about other people in order to tear them down. So according to Paul, how much corrupt talk should come out of the Christian's mouth? None. Well, that's a tall order, Paul. Are you saying there's never a time when we can speak in ways that are just rotten to the core? Yes. But don't miss what Paul says is the opposite of corrupt communication. Corrupting talk does not build up another person. It only tears down. Corrupting talk does not fit the occasion. It's out of place. Corrupting talk never gives another person grace. So that means it's only condemning. It is only judgmental. It isn't gracious at all. So the opposite of corrupting communication is one that builds up another, that fits the occasion, that gives out grace. Well, let's continue to Ephesians 5 verse 4, where we can listen to Paul again. He writes, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Corrupt communication includes filthy speech. Sometimes we accuse a person of having a filthy mouth, don't we? Just think about what that means. There are many comedians who have filthy mouths. Actually, it's rare when you find one who has a clean one. The use of dirty words is not just a comedian's trade, but found in many other places in our world. I remember long ago working a summer for the Chicago Railroad. I literally could have sung the song, I've been working on the railroad all the live long day, as I swung a pickaxe and used my shovel. It really felt like I was working on a prison chain gang, not just on the railroad. The work was brutal. But what wore me out more as a 19-year-old was the nonstop foul and dirty language that came from everybody. The nasty jokes, the bad words, nonstop, not just when they hurt themselves. Well, the Christian must have no filthy language cross their lips. We may think that once in a while is okay, but it quickly becomes a habit. This verse also describes another sort of spoiled, rotten, unwholesome talk, crude joking. The Apostle Paul says that Christians should not be involved in crude joking. So why is it so tempting even for Christians to either tell crude and dirty jokes or listen to them? 
Well, again, we'll explore this one in depth in a later podcast. But the bottom line is that we serve a God who is clean, pure, perfect light. Crude joking is out of place to those who love God. This sort of foolishness does not give praise or glory to the Heavenly Father. Well, now let's go to Colossians 3, verse 8. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Now, this is a verse we use a lot in biblical counseling. It tells us that Christians must put off all sorts of anger problems. These are part of the old self, not the new self. But what I want to focus on are the words obscene talk. We all know what an obscenity is, right? By definition, an obscenity is something that is repulsive and abhorrent. It is totally without morality or virtue. Obscene talk is the opposite of polite conversation. There is a rare movie today that doesn't have some amount of obscene language. We tend to accept it depending on the movie or TV show. But what happens when obscene words come out of our own mouths, when we become too desensitized and begin to talk just like the world talks? Again, Paul is clear. Put all obscene talk away, not just some of it. It just doesn't match up with the character of God. It is tempting to think that certain words are no big deal, especially when we're around a certain crowd. And it may even feel too holy to never have an obscenity come out of our mouths. Yet God's Word tells us to dispose of all such communication. Do we need to take this command more seriously? Well, now we'll turn our attention to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is preaching his Sermon on the Mount, and he begins to talk about communication. Listen to Matthew 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Now, we'll stop there. Before speaking of another form of spoiled, rotten communication, Jesus begins by affirming one of the Ten Commandments. Murder is clearly against God's law and is to be punished. So what does that have to do with our communication? Well, the next verse kind of surprises us. Listen to verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Do you see it, right? After Jesus teaches that anger against other Christians will bring judgment, he proclaims that insulting other believers makes us liable to the council. In other words, we shall be judged for these sorts of words as well. Insults are part and parcel of our world. How often have you called someone stupid, an idiot, a moron, or much, much worse? I hear my boys calling each other names and putting each other down way too much. It is too often a bad mark of adolescence and even childhood. But are we adults any better? Maybe they're just hearing that from their father. Now, Jesus is being specific about insults directed to other Christians. No, he's not giving us freedom to level insults at non-Christians, but there's a higher calling to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, will we strive to take this command of Jesus seriously? 
Or is it just a bit of harmless fun to insult each other? Notice that Jesus makes the connection to murder. Insults can easily murder a person's heart, mind, and soul. But we're not done with this Matthew 5.22 passage yet. It reads, whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Wow, I don't know about you, but I've called people fools before. If Jesus means that anyone who insults another by calling him a fool will go to hell, then pretty much everyone will end up in hell. What Jesus does mean is to show us how desperately wicked our hearts really are. As we know, our words come from the overflow of our hearts. When we're angry with others, our lips can pour out all sorts of corrupt insults. So we need a change of heart first in order to stop our corrupt words. Without the cleansing power of Christ in our hearts, we do end up in hell. This is such a big key to dealing with our communication problems. If you find yourself regularly insulting others, calling them fools, then it is essential that you confront your heart of anger. Your words are just the symptom of your sinful anger. So again, that's why our communication is so important to God. Corrupt language just reveals a corrupt heart. Now we'll go back to the Proverbs, Proverbs 12, verse 18. It reads, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Here we have another type of corrupt, rotten, spoiled speech. What the author of this proverb describes as rash words. Rash words are those spoken without thinking, intending to hurt another person. Rash words are unloving and destructive, like repeatedly stabbing someone with a sword. How easy it is to speak without giving any thought to what our words may do to another. Here again, our words either come from a foolish heart or a wise one. The wise person brings healing with his words. The foolish person brings pain and destruction. Christians must give thought to all of our words. Well, we'll stay in the book of Proverbs. Listen to Proverbs 22.10. Drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. A scoffer is someone who speaks in an insultingly derisive or mocking way. Actually, the words scoffer and mocker are used interchangeably in Scripture. So we can certainly put scoffing on our list of spoiled, rotten, corrupt talk. A scoffer is all about attacking another person and tearing him or her down. Again, we often see children and teens mock other people, especially people who are different or appear weak. Really, though, our world is characterized by scoffing and mocking. Ultimately, Jesus is the victim of all that scoffing. They are scoffing at him. This word of wisdom tells us that we should drive the scoffer out of our midst. Why? Why such a drastic thing? Because he is the source of strife. He, the scoffer, is the one stirring the pot of quarrels and fighting. And did you hear how the ESV translation of the Bible uses the word abuse? We talk a lot in our culture today about verbal abuse. In some cases, it is overused. But there is no doubt it is a real thing and a real abuse. Because corrupt words hurt others. They abuse others. 
They break people down and humiliate them. They harass them. So when we silence the scoffing, the verbal abuse stops. Mocking another person should never happen in God's kingdom. Sadly, there are husbands who verbally abuse wives, parents who verbally abuse children. All of this comes from a heart of pride, of anger, often an idol of power and control. And the hard part is that once we are mocked and scoffed at, we can be quick to dish it out to right back to the person. But we know what Scripture commands us about getting revenge, right? Well, now we'll spend the rest of our time in the New Testament. Listen to James 3, verses 5 and 6. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Now, we can't talk about biblical communication without spending time in this passage of Scripture. We'll need to come back here again and again. I don't know about you, but James 3 has always been a heavy dose of reality for me. God has given this part of our bodies that enables us to speak. And yet, because of original sin, it has been set on fire by hell. We literally have flamethrowers in our mouths. It is compared to a small campfire that can set all the forests of California on fire. Our tongues impact our entire lives as well as the lives of others. These verses simply show us how powerful our tongues are, which means we need a power greater than ourselves to control it. But it gets worse for us in verses 7 and 8. It reads, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So we are confronted with the reality that no human being can tame the tongue. We can tame the wildest of the wild beasts on earth, but not the wild tongue. This again is the heart of our communication problem. It's not just about stopping all the corrupt words that we say towards other people. We must first admit that we cannot tame our tongues on our own. We need the power of the Spirit in our lives. Our unholy tongues must be tamed by the Holy God. Did you hear the last sentence of verse 8? The tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You and I will only abstain from spoiled, rotten, corrupt, abusive talk when we give control of our tongues to the great tongue tamer. These verses help us to remember that it's not just other people who have trouble with their communication, it's us. It's a universal problem that must be mastered. If the Holy Spirit doesn't master our tongues, they just remain wild and evil. Well, now let's listen to Romans 12, verses 17 and 18. It reads, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, at first glance, these verses may not seem to teach us anything about corrupt communication. But the truth is that many of our evil words, our insults, our scoffing, our cursing, come out from a heart of revenge. 
We often excuse our words with some version of he or she started it. We justify ourselves by believing we're just giving back the evil that the other person gave to us. Yes, we can think it's fine and dandy to repay evil with evil. After all, that's fair, right? It's how we stand up for ourselves. It's how we show someone what it feels like so he or she will learn and stop. I'm sorry, but all of this thinking is not fit for the Christian mind. We are explicitly commanded to repay no evil for evil. We are not to dishonor anyone. Revenge is the opposite of making peace. It just creates more conflict. Sadly, this happens in our marriages all the time. Our spouse insults us, says something mean and hurtful, and we just have to pay it back. We can think this will silence our spouse or our friend, but this just stirs up more conflict, more anger, more corrupt communication. Again, Christians are always supposed to be about making peace. As painful as it may sound, there is no room for revenge in the kingdom of God. We read of that in the next few verses, starting in verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yes, these are painful verses to hear because of our sinful hearts. Not only are we to leave vengeance to God, we are to go one huge step further. We're to feed our enemy. We're to give our enemy a drink. So picture for a moment a husband and a wife in a fight. The wife calls her husband an idiot and some other choice words. And the husband says, can I take you out for dinner? Get you a nice meal? I love you so much. Now, this may sound sort of ludicrous, especially when our emotions are running high. And it certainly might not be the right timing to ask your wife out on a date. But that should be our mindset. When corrupt words are flowing from another person's mouth, the Christian is to be thinking, how do I overcome evil with good? How do I show love and grace with my words? How do I resist vengeful words myself? If we can live that out in our marriages and families, conflicts would certainly die down. Corrupt words just keep the fires going. But good words, kind words, compassionate words will calm things down. And then we entrust vengeance to God. Just a few more passages that will help us resist corrupt communication. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, verse 2. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Now this verse brings us back to my opening comparison with the spoiled, rotten child. Doesn't this sort of sound like him? Paul was speaking to Timothy about what life will be like in the last days. Well, even though we don't know when Christ will return, we do know we are in the last days. Ever since Christ ascended into heaven, we have been in these last days. All of these descriptions of people connect to communication. 
When we are lovers of self, how do we speak to others? When we are lovers of money, what do we talk about? When we are proud and arrogant, our speech will often be corrupt. But the next word is my focus, abusive. One characteristic of people in the last days is that their speech will be abusive. Again, corrupt, unkind, hurtful, destructive. I have to say this certainly describes modern times in my mind, especially the world of social media. I don't know of a more corrupt place of communication in this world than Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and alike. It's just too easy to write things out or type things out that we wouldn't say to someone's face. But even before the advent of social media, human beings could certainly say abusive things by old-fashioned letters behind people's backs and even to their faces. But living in these times, we must fight against our sinful urges to say or write or type abusive things. We must be building up people, not tearing them down. Then there's 1 Peter 3 verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you recall that you may obtain a blessing. Now, this verse sounds very familiar. Again, the antidote to corrupt words are words of blessing. Instead of cursing out a person who has cursed at us, we are to bless them. As we said earlier, this just sounds crazy, way too holy sort of like Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. It's just way too nice, way too good. Who in the world wants to bless those who curse them? Nobody. And that's the point. That's why we all need Jesus. If we want to be blessed by God, we will grow in our blessing of others. Jesus says the same thing in Luke 6, verse 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. I know you don't want to hear it again. Either do I. It goes against our grain. But if we're going to rid ourselves of corrupt communication, the test comes when someone abuses us with their words. We are to bless and pray. We need to pray to be able to bless in the first place. Well, let's end in 1 Peter 2, verse 23. That reads, When he was reviled... He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So the end of the matter is that Jesus is the only one who never uttered a spoiled, rotten, corrupt word in his life. And he had every reason to, and plenty of opportunities. After all, he suffered in every way we have, and so much more. He was reviled, he suffered, he was falsely accused. And how did he speak in a godly way? Because he entrusted himself to the Father. That's what we must do as well. Trust God. Believe that your Savior is at work in all situations. Look to the Spirit to empower your words. Then you'll be able to speak words of blessing, words of grace, words that build up and are not rotten and corrupt. So practice this with your spouse, with your family, with your friends, and even with your enemies, all to the glory of God. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. 
This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.